From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm not doing too bad. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well, thank you. So, enjoying, um, we've been having spring-like weather, at least as of the recording of this podcast, yeah. <laughs> so it's been very nice. Opening the windows, listening to the birds, all that stuff, so it's been very pleasant. Yeah, so, as your spring first, arrives, we close our windows. <laughs> so, anyway, well... Lest folks think I don't like the Muppets because I decry their presence at the Magic Kingdom's Liberty Square and soon at Epcot's American Adventure Pavilion, I want to let you know that I watched the Netflix series The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and the program on how the series was made. So, Craig, I know last time we talked about this, you had watched the first episode. Have you gotten any further into it? I still haven't. I'm a terrible Henson creature fan. I just have not had any time i've been uh Mm -hmm. lately i've been on a tear of well it was i was trying to catch up for all the oscar movies and everything so going to the theater Mm -hmm. a lot more watching some of the stuff that was already streaming or exclusively streaming and so i feel like i was so engulfed in that that i haven't had time to consume anything else than and even now i'm already moving on to uh re-watching every james bond movie before the new one comes out so uh, oh funny yeah I'll, I'll i'll make time for dark crystal i want to say right now in 2022 give or take <laughs> so, well i well i'm trying to figure out if this is a prequel or a remake it's a prequel i it is yeah. okay well good because it didn't end so but when you watch the uh the program on how the series was made i got the impression that this was a remake and so i wasn't sure but so i have to i have to watch the dark crystal so yeah it's and, you know it, by the way they did it the one thing that they they prided themselves on was that you know, you didn't necessarily have to see Dark Crystal in order to watch this because of mm-hmm. it, it being a prequel. But at the same time, too, it by the time you watch Dark Crystal, then it might help you appreciate it a little bit more. Because uh, Dark Crystal, you know, it while it had a cult following for for a long time, you know, a, a lot of people my age at least remember it as a really scary movie that their parents made them watch when they were growing up because you know it had the henson name attached to it and so that that means it's muppets and it's family friendly and of course that's that's far from the case of it but uh, because it was a little bit on the darker side and you know not 
not a fully well-rounded movie. Uh, it 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 hasn't had the the greatest uh, the greatest appreciation for it as time's gone on. Not like Labyrinth, which you know people loved Labyrinth, and it's it's grown in cult status over time, and it's it's a lot more beloved by people. So I am happy that with Dark Crystal there even though i again i still haven't made the time necessarily to watch it i'm happy that they made they went back and and made something now that is actually you know actually being cherished more than the original movie was so you can't mm-hmm. you can't argue with those results yeah it, it took me until the fourth episode and then i I got intrigued. There, there, there was. There's a lot. It, there, there are areas that could have been tightened up, but uh, you know the story. But there's a lot of exposition, <laughs> and um, and so once it got the, the action for me really started in the fourth episode where the story started really moving along, and you're, it is dark, and um, yeah. From fourth episode on, it's fairly fast paced. So um, anyway, so so I think you'll like it. Yeah, I'm so and looking forward to watching it. It just really is sitting down to find the time, and every time I think I'm like, okay, I'm ready to watch it, I end up getting hooked on something else. So uh, the the, I a lot of it's been HBO lately, so you know not related to Disney in any ways. But uh-huh. I was one of the weekends that Kylie was out of town recently. I just was like, okay, well, I need to. I I, I want to watch a random episode of a series I haven't watched before and see if I get onto it. And so I started watching the Young Pope, and then I started. Oh, I want to watch that. Is did you like that? Was it good? It's, I'm struggling with it. So I started, I wanted to watch The New Pope, which I, because I, I love John Malkovich. I think he is so goofy. And uh, so I was like, this looks really interesting. And then I found out, okay, well, The New Pope is actually the the sequel series to The Young Pope. So then I had to go back to that. And I got through a couple episodes and I'm still slowly plugging away through, through it. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll give, I'll give uh, Watchmen a chance because I know that was really popular when it came out, and then got through that in like no time whatsoever. And I'm like, you know what? I I know with any series, I'm going to be that way. If it hooks me instantly, I'm going to I'm gonna just get through it. So I need to I need to stop doing that with HBO shows and and go to Netflix and some of the other places mm-hmm. that I've I've been ignoring lately. So, because I'm I'm doing the same thing on Amazon. I I was like addicted to the first two seasons of uh, Mrs. Maisel, and then the third, I just can't get through it. Every time I start it up, I like watch one episode. I'm like, I'm getting bored with this. Yeah, yeah. I start yeah I start series, and then I I have so many in the hopper now. I thought I've got to get see some. I watched the first episode on HBO of The Outsider, and yes. it. It was so dark. I I ha- I have not yet gone to episode 2. <laughs> I am so. up to date on it. I have been watching that weekly. It's I don't mm-hmm. think it's ever going to be a binging show. I think it's definitely one that you want to take your time uh, running it. It's the first two episodes, I will say they are they are brutal to get through, but once 
once the they start getting along with the story it's it's less it's less intense as of the point that it's up to right now it's not it's not as like i don't feel like i'm sad and i need to shower after watching an episode of tv <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had to put on something cheerful after the first episode. <laughs> oh, it, it sounds like Kylie. I can just I can watch depressing and sad stuff all the time and if we watch anything that's even like slightly scary, emotional whatever, Kylie will just be like, "Okay, can we watch a fun show now?" And Yeah, I think I I put on Star Trek. <laughs> after I, that. That's why I've seen the entire series of The Office probably Maybe 60 times at this point from start <laughs> to finish because I like watching a lot of scary and emotional movies. So I have to put up with the side effect of that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I go back to The Outsider. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> All right, Craig. Well, you know, last week you announced that our March question and answer episode is coming up. Do you want to remind our listeners? about what they can do to potentially be a part of the show? Absolutely. So uh, if you weren't listening last week, well, shame on you. It's, uh, this week it's part two. So uh, <laughs> you absolutely should have listened to last week, but I'll, I'll let that go for now anyway. So we announced that, of course, we have another question and answer episode coming up in March. And we also announced that the thread was being opened up on facebook.com slash disunplugged. And you can still find that thread over there. You're running out of time to ask your questions because we're only taking submissions until Sunday, March 1st. But there is still time as long as you're not listening to this six months in the future. At that point, you'll have to wait for whatever the next episode is. But I don't think you'll ever catch up at that point. But that's neither here nor there so we're we're taking those questions again it's questions about all of disney disney history disney theme parks walt disney imagineers uh, films music television books everything so whatever questions you have ask ask away just as always please try to keep it uh questions that we can really uh actually flesh out and have a discussion over not just answer with a simple yes or no and then of course always do not ask us what we would think that walt would think or say or do about anything current day because we don't know and there's no point in speculating because no one knows so mm-hmm. great well we'll look forward to reading those questions and um answering them on future episodes of Connecting with Walt. In our last episode, Craig, Mary Jo, and I piled into Mary Jo's car for a trip around Southern California to connect with Walt. We are continuing our car trip this week with a stop for lunch at the Tamashanter. We already mentioned it. This is one of my favorite places, Tamashanter at... um, 2980 Los Feliz Boulevard in Los Angeles. So how far is this from like all the places like Prospect Studios and Walt and Lillian's home on Walking Way and all that? This will probably, it takes less than 10 minutes to get there because we're going to be driving around. So the house on Walking Way is, is the neighborhood that leads up to Griffith Park and to the Griffith Park Observatory. 
So mm-hmm. it's it's so the streets are very windy and and not very, but they're kind of windier in that area just because you're up on a hill. So you're going to need to drive down the hill and around the hill on to get on Los Feliz Boulevard, and that'll take you right to Tamashan. It'll be on the right hand side. You can't miss it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that storybook or story fairy tale storybook architecture that we talked about, and uh, we've all eaten there. I think this was a popular dining spot for Walt Disney, his animators and Imagineers. It's uh, it's um, it's I think it's it's Los Angeles's oldest operating restaurant. Now it's it claims that it's the world's first themed restaurant. Have you heard that, Mary Jo? Yep, it's the first Lowry's restaurant. Mm-hmm. Lowry's, I mean, mm-hmm. first Lowry's first themed restaurant. It's, if it weren't even for Walt Disney, there's so much historical significance to this particular restaurant itself mm-hmm. that it's worth the visit. Yeah, like I listen to a lot of podcasts about Hollywood, people who live there, and I know for a fact they talk about going to eat at the Tam O'Shanter, and I they do not ever reference Walt, and don't even, I'm sure they know about it, but it's just like, it is Hollywood icon. It yeah. is, and this is old Hollywood, this is like a vestige of old Hollywood, because you're right, there it, there's photos and doodles of of Walt and the animators and Imagineers there, but there's a ton of stuff of on other celebrities there. So yeah. even if you're not a Disney fan or you have someone in your party driving around who's not a Disney fan, but they're in the films, this they're going to love this place. Yeah, this was one of John Wayne's. He has his own table also. John Wayne ate there so often. This was one of his. And then, I don't know, kind of like an... Uh, not creepy, but Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff used to both go there all the time too. Hmm. So there's, <laughs> I've eaten here several times, and there's I've always seen somebody famous there. I mean, but they go here for just to eat there low key with yeah. friends or family. This is not a hot spot where there's going to be a potpourri, paparazzi. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't one of you guys there when Dick Van Dyke happened to be eating there? Yes. Uh, Yes. And then he, he was, so we kept going to the bathroom so we could see. (laughs) And then he was told there were Disney fans there and he came back and talked to us. Oh, that was nice. He was so nice and appreciative and sweet. I mean, he was great. Just great. Because he didn't need to do that. Right. You know, he was eating lunch. But um, that he would take the time out to do that was nice. Now that you said that, this is one of those places that if there's somebody famous there, they're not going to get mobbed by fans. Right. It's it's not that kind of a venue. It's, it's, uh, we probably already said it, but I'll just repeat. It's a Scottish-themed restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it's got knickknacks all over the place. And... It's cozy. There's fireplaces there. And the lunch and the dinner are are a little bit different. If you go there for dinner, it's going to be like a $10 jump in price compared to lunch. Um, so I've had dinner and lunch there. Yeah, I have too. The lunch, oh, the roast beef sandwich is so good. Oh, they have a carving station. Yes, with, that's where I get the roast beef sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. They have a little salad bar. Was it? They have a carving station. They have um, classic. British type meals, I guess, or mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say. Scottish oh yeah, you you can get roast beef with you know Yorkshire pudding and 
and, and all of that. You can get fish yeah. and chips. You can get all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say the prime rib I know comes with uh, Yorkshire pudding. Yes. Um, and the prime rib is good. Yeah. So, so I will know, say that. Uh, go ahead, Michael. Well, it, it's not extraordinary food, but it's good food. You know, this is it's it's casual food, but it's it's very tasty. And another thing I like about it, too, is even though we're sitting in a themed restaurant and and the food is tasty, like you said, um, you're not paying theme park prices for the food either. Mm -hmm. So it's not outrageous. It's very it's relatively reasonable because, again, Lowry's is a um, what do you call it's a land. It's a it's a it's a good restaurant. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. And it's so, not yeah. a, go ahead. Oh, no. Well, because of its, you know, location design in the menu that we're talking about, this was a favorite spot for Walt Disney and his animators. And they dined at the TAM so often that it was nicknamed the Studio Commissary. <laughs> and Walt had a favorite table. And which it, it's basically it's been enshrined as a tribute oh, yeah. to. Him. So this this the table that everyone knows about. This is okay, kids. Jot this down. It's table number thirty one. It's located next to the fireplace in the main dining room. And they say Walt liked to sit there so that because he could see the whole room, the whole main dining room. You can request this table when you make reservations, but you have to do it when you make your reservations in advance. If you wait until you arrive to make the request. Odds are someone's going to be sitting there. Now, there are a couple of other tables that you might be interested in. Okay, there's a, if you have a larger party, I think it's – you might know this. You might correct me. I think, believe it's table 10. That's when Walt was there with his animators or imagineers. It's a big round table. I think it's more in the center of the dining room. And that was another one. And then I was told when I was there because um, – I was waiting to, to interview someone, and I was there for lunch, and I was sipping on a Coke. Um, the, and I got to talking with the bartender. He told me that Walt also had a favorite. Walt would just come in, and he'd just, uh, for lunch, and he'd just have a sandwich. So he would he would sit in the bar area, and he had a favorite table. Well, they'd had a larger patio at one time, and he liked to sit out there. And then he had a favorite table that was also in, you know, in the in the bar area and i don't remember which one that was so um i don't remember i never um asked about it but i will say that if you ask any of the servers there about the history mm -hmm. my experience is that they are they're happy to share um trivia and stories about the restaurant and stories about walt that they know mm -hmm. um with you and and I've never actually walked around the restaurant because I'm, you know, there's other. I have. And, oh. <laughs> I have because there's so much on the walls. But, yeah. I walk around. But I've gone at odd hours, too, like when it yeah. first opened. So almost nobody was there. Yeah. So let me tell you a little story. So um, a couple of listeners to our to the old Disneyland show, uh, Denise and her daughter, Teresa, had come oh, out. Yeah. Them. And so Teresa was probably 11 at the time. And that young lady knew more Disney trivia than a lot of other people that I know. And every time she'd see me, she'd come up with her pad of paper and, and she, you know, asked me questions and she would jot them down and everything. So super, super Disney fan. So we go over there. I made sure to get there right when the restaurant opened up because I didn't make reservations because I was kind of playing it by ear with them. And I asked for table 31. They had no idea what I was talking about, right? So we sit there 
And when I tell him that we're sitting at Walt Disney's table, Teresa's eyes just opened super wide. And then she was very impressed with me. And I, I had to, you know, tell her, no, I didn't have any pool with the restaurant and they didn't, you know, sit us there. It's just that I asked for it and everything. But at that table, there's also etchings yes. that the Imagineers have made. And I told um, Teresa, I said, hey, if you have a pencil and a piece of paper, you can do some rubbings. And oh, my gosh, she did rubbings of all the all the etchings. So what, and some of them are um, what I remember are the dinosaurs from if I wasn't trying to think of it right now. And, Fantasia? And, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, at Disneyland. Um, Santa Fe Railroad? On the railroad. Was the it railroad? the Grand Canyon? And yeah, Grand Canyon. what's the dinosaur? Primeval World. Pri- thank you. Primeval World. Oh, my gosh. So these etchings were done, I think, in the 60s by the Imagineers. And um, it's you can definitely see the dinosaurs, what they look like for Primeval World and other other things there. And some words and what have you. So that's kind of cool to see that also. Yeah, they would taken that table out one time I was there because remember when the film Tomorrowland was coming out and they did that that scavenger hunt thing. And it took you everywhere and you ended up at the park. And then it was supposed to be everything supposed to be revealed at the D23 Expo. They put in a different table there because they had a clue carved into oh. it for that scavenger hunt and then then and then they pulled it out and put the table back the original table so which was nice so um anyway but you know we, we've talked about how walt was a man of simple taste you know he liked to eat chili out of a can and he liked jello <laughs> and he never more than one vegetable and again it was canned you know and and, and all that stuff and you can see his list again his list that he created for the housekeeper is at the Walt Disney Family Museum and it's hilarious to look at and anyway but this is one restaurant where Walt Disney dined regularly and even after the Disney studio moved from Hyperion um, Walt was a reg was regularly at the TAM I imagine he probably knew the owner and everybody you know and it, it was like for him just going back home right mm-hmm. I'm sure he had this ease and I know that the Imagineers, through, when you first walk in, um, there's a couple of, of full-size posters that are, are in gla- that are framed in glass frame, I guess. And um, one of them is, I think, of the owner in a in a kilt, and he's got a tam on his head. Mm-hmm. And the other ones are um, there. There's some that the I think it was the 75th anniversary of the of the restaurant that the animators drew something. And they framed it. And I know they've got Tinkerbell in a little town hat. That's really cute. Yes, that is cute. Yeah. I wish they would sell that prints of that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I don't want them to sell that, but prints of no, that prints, would be. Prints of it would be cool, but I'm sure legally they could never reproduce it. But speaking of speaking of going home, as you said, um, we're going to, our next stop is, it's quite literally going home, Forest Salon <laughs> Memorial Park. And this yeah. is at 1712 South Glendale Avenue. This, however, is no ordinary, like, cemetery. You know, this oh, no. was founded in 1906, not-for-profit cemetery by a group of businessmen from San Francisco. And it... it this was innovative of establishing a memorial 
park plan and they eliminated upright grave markers and they brought in works by established artists um this is the first time a funeral home was open on dedicated um, cemetery grounds and eaton who dr hubert eaton who's um one of the founders of this and ran it for a long time he felt the cemeteries were unsightly depressing stone yards and he wanted to create one that would reflect his optimistic christian beliefs unlike other cemeteries he wanted his to be sunshine rather than darkness so he wanted his quote is he envisioned forest lawn to be a great park devoid of misshapen monuments and other signs of earthly death but filled with towering trees sweeping long splashing fountains beautiful statuary and memorial architecture um the burial sections have evocative names like eventide babyland for infants and it's shaped in the heart graceland inspiration slope some slumberland for children and adolescents sweet memories whispering pines vesperland borderlands on the edge of the cemetery and dawn of tomorrow and mary jo i know you're going to get more into this but there's the forest lawn museum founded in 1957 it has displays of art art artifacts and it they host rotating fine art exhibits and the six forest lawn cemeteries contain about 1500 statues and about 10 percent are reproductions of famous works of art and the great mausoleum was fashioned after campo santo in genoa italy and it contains uh, it's it's the most highly sought after internment places within Forest Lawn Glendale, and um, the, the, you know it's been described as the New World's Westminster Abbey, and um, I'll just I'll, I'll just sort of I'll, I'll I'll sort of let you go on and talk about okay. it because it is I've never been here but the photos are amazing that I've seen. Oh. It's, I think Nancy went there first, and she should talk about it. And I even she wrote her, an article for the Diz, and I do have a link to it that Craig I can send you. Okay. Even even with that, I wasn't prepared for just how beautiful the cemetery is. For one thing, it's on a hill, so when you're in certain areas of it, when you're looking out, you can see downtown LA if you're mm -hmm. lucky enough to go on a not so smoggy day, mm -hmm. and you can see the San Fernando Valley and the Great Mausoleum. I, when you walk in there, I, I felt like I was in Europe be, just because of the ornateness and just it was such a beautiful place. And they have a guard there, rightfully so, telling people to be respectful because it is where family members are interred. And you have to be respectful of, of their family who's visiting them. And so when you go in there, there's this hushed, hushed silence in there. And in that particular mausoleum, um, you've got Sid Grauman from the Grauman's Chinese Theater. He's there. Red Skelton is there. And I had actually gone with a couple of other Diz friends, Yvette and Emil, who were visiting from the Netherlands. And mm -hmm. Yvette told me, I want to go see Walt's resting place. So we visited the, the, the cemetery. And I've been there a couple of times since then. Well, in the mausoleum, as you walk through, and there's, there's just all these different alcoves that, that come out. And we had heard that Elizabeth Taylor was had been interred there. And we asked the... The, uh, the the guard, if we if she could point it out, and she told us absolutely not that that nobody could know where it was, etc. And we said we respect that, and so we were just chatting with her. And after about fifteen minutes of us talking, 
she leaned over and whispered to us, do you guys want to know where Elizabeth Taylor is? And, and so she told us, and there's this, as you enter and you turn the corners, there's this huge, beautiful statue of an angel. And now there's a, there's a little sign there that says Elizabeth Taylor. So I'm not telling anything out of turn. Um, and she's at the foot of this giant, it's like, I don't know, 14 feet tall. It's huge, huge, huge angel. But it's the, the artwork, like you were saying, Michael, is just, beautiful so when you go in there your heart's kind of filled just because of the beauty that surrounds you and in that same mausoleum if you go and you go to the end of it back in the 1930s they had a stained glass window that's a replica of the last supper made in italy and they shipped it over to the mausoleum and they installed it and so when you go there they have a few benches and they have a little presentation about about the the, the Last Supper, how the how they got to have that um, made and brought to the the cemetery and everything. And you listen to the story. And at the end of the story, I think they have shutters or something because it's natural light. And as they open up, it lights up the whole stained glass window. <laughs> and it's just, and it's, and it does it slowly. So it's just like all of a sudden you just see this little light and it starts on the figure of Jesus in the middle. And then you see the other figures. And as, of course, the light comes on you just see the details of the features and the beauty of that art piece of art. So I do recommend that when you do go to that cemetery, not only to, to stop and, and visit Walt's grave and maybe, you know, say a, a little thank you to him for everything that we've been able to enjoy because of him, but also look at, visit the great mausoleum and, and see that. And I haven't even gone to the museum that you talked about, Michael, there's just, this is just a place to go and, and really spend some time. You're not going to rush over there, go see something and go away. There's too much beauty to be seen in that spot. And then, I think I read that they they have recreated, I think, everything Michelangelo created. Yeah, there's, there's there. as, you, as you walk through, there's alcoves. So you're walking down a hallway and then there's other hallways that go out, that branch out where the people are interred. Mm-hmm. And I, for some reason, I remember I was able, I saw where Red Skelton is because... He's somebody from my childhood, that an entertainer from my childhood that I remembered. So that meant something to me to see where where he's at. And um, but the art, they had statues and they had paintings and they had there's just so much. So it's like like it's it's like going through a museum itself, you know, um, Mm -hmm. when you're there. And then when you leave the mausoleum and you go to the right, there's another little building off to the left. Michael Jackson's in that building and you can't miss it because there's flowers. Every time I've gone by there, people have left flowers because he's touched so many people with with his music and everything. And if you walk up to the door, you can't go inside, but if you walk up and you look through the door, there's a window and you can see um, at the end of the hallway, he's, they, they have him there underneath another window. Okay. So, and of course, we're here because um, we're going to visit Walt Lillian's final resting spot. And yeah. he's in there in the Court of Freedom section in the Garden of Freedom and in the little Garden of Communion. And that's a, I think it's a small private garden to the left of the entrance to the Freedom Mausoleum. Right. And so what, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. <laughs> we, we do this all night. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first get there, you park on the street. You're going to go, there, there's a, a fence. Mm, oh, not a fence. It's a wall. And there's statues there. It's a free, like you said, the Freedom Court or the Court of Freedom. So there's going to be statues there and artwork before you even enter 
this huge courtyard, which is a cemetery. And then off to the right, you're going to see a mausoleum that you just mentioned, Michael. And there's a restroom in there for anybody who needs to go to the restroom. But that's another, it's not as beautiful as the Great Mausoleum, but it's 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 kind of cool. And especially if you're patriotic, it's it's a very interesting place to visit. But for us, the importance is as it's as you're facing the mausoleum, it's on the left-hand side. And so you're gonna go to, to the left end of the mausoleum, and there's a garden. It's a little fenced in garden. The fence is probably maybe two and a half feet tall with a gate. So you can actually go in there and they have a statue of the little mermaid mm-hmm. um, there in the garden. And as you're this oh, is not from the film. This is the Hans recreation of the Hans Christian Andersen. Good point. Statue. Yeah, good okay. point. And and the little she's probably maybe about maybe three feet. She's small. It's a small, beautiful little statue. There's all these trees and there's a bench where you could just sit there and reflect. And so you walk in the gate, the mausoleum wall is straight in front of you. And then to the left, there is a wall and Walt Disney himself is in that wall. So mm-hmm. they're not buried in the ground. He, I believe Lillian and a couple of other family yeah, members. Um, Robert um, Brown is there. He was uh, Sharon Disney's first husband. He passed away, I think of cancer. And and then Sharon Disney Brown Lloyd, she was um, she was also cremated, but uh, she had asked for her ashes to be scattered. So there is a memorial plaque to her there. That's why that plaque is there. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Um, when I went there with Yvette and Emil, um, we were very respectful. I, I, that's one of the nice things about going to this spot. People don't, I don't want to say misbehave. People are just respectful. And you go and you sit there and you can sit at the garden and, and everybody kind of talks in, in low tones, maybe not hushed, but it's one place. And she was, she actually came to tears. Um, I get teary. I just remember how emotional that. Mm-hmm. that yeah. That moment I th- was when we. Were I think there it, for the I think it would be for. I think it would be for anybody listening to this show. Yeah. So, but let's. But now let's mm-hmm. let's have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's lift our spirits. You know what? What better way to do it than ride a merry-go-round? So we're going to head over to the Griffith Park merry-go-round. This is at forty-seven thirty Crystal Springs Drive in Los Angeles. How far is this from Forest Lawn? Now you can you can by now you guys get that I'm talking in minutes and and time wise instead of uh, instead of uh, actual distance. But again, you're going to get to, it's only ten minutes away. Oh, <laughs> so great! It's, okay. Yeah, so you're you're basically taking the surface streets. I think you might hop on the five for just one exit, but you don't need to to get okay. to the the merry-go-round. And this area is also where the LA Zoo is. And they've got some hiking trails over in this area, also where the where the merry-go-round is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this the Griffith Park merry-go-round. I, I love merry-go-rounds. So many were destroyed or sold off in pieces. It's just wonderful when these these old carousels and merry-go-rounds are 
you know, preserved for us to enjoy. Um, you know, because there, there was a wood carved ones, you know, h- horses and all that. But anyway, this was built in 1926 by the Spillman Engineering Company. It was commissioned by the Spreckles family, Spreckles Sugar and all that. It was originally housed at the Mission Beach Amusement Center in San Diego. And then it was moved to its current location in 1937. This is um, made up of 68 handmade organs, all of which jump. It's a custom-built Stinson 165 military band organ that plays more than 1,500 songs. Although I think that is not original to the um, carousel. That was added later. But this is the only full-size Spillman carousel that still operates today. So So how many of us have ridden it? I have. I have not. No. No. No, It's great. I've driven past it. That's uh, the closest. So every time I'm, you know, driving around aimlessly around Los Angeles and Hollywood, like I know where I'm going, I <laughs> inevitably somehow end up on that road that drives like all the way around uh, Griffith Park. And so, yeah, I've seen I've seen it, but uh, unfortunately, I've I've never been on the right day to go, and it was not an option on any of the uh, Adventures by Disney trips that i went on okay. so mm-hmm. i know you like to hike craig so i i would the next time if you have time and the carousel itself it's open um weekends throughout the year and the weekdays during the summer and over the christmas and East, uh, spring break vacations from 11 a.m to 5 p.m and i think it kind of goes fast what do you think michael Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Compared to Disneyland? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you're zipping right along. Yeah. With this one. But this is how I remember merry-go-rounds, because San Francisco Zoo had a merry-go-round playland at the beach did, but that was sold for parts. Uh, Santa Cruz Beach and Boardwalk, theirs goes fast. And they still do the thing where you throw the rings into the clown's you know, mouth. That, oh, that's or, neat. or am I really dating myself? I've but, never heard. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyway, but um, of course, why why do we go to the merry ground? We all know the story. When when his daughters were young, Walt took them to this this merry ground on weekends because Sunday was Daddy's day, and Walt said that while sitting on a bench watching his girls circle round and round. He was inspired to create a park that families could enjoy together. And, of course, his dream was realized on July 17th, 1955, when Disneyland opened to the public. So so if we were to think about it, when, you, when you're when you walking to the carousel, of course, he sat on all the benches. Because people always say, well, which bench was he on? Well, you know, he didn't have, it wasn't like bench number 31, like at the Tamashaner, that was mm-hmm. his. But... He, I think it's as you're looking at the carousel from left going right. I think it was the second bench from the left where he actually got that inspiration. At least that's what Mr. Bob Gurr told that's us. That's what Bob Gurr says. Yeah, and we all sat on that bench with him. Oh heck Bob. yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and and of course the, these are not the original benches. Now they've been replaced with like plastic kind of stuff, um, but. You know, but but you can see original benches, of course, from here. Um, Disneyland in the Opera House, they yeah. have one restored, and you can't get anywhere near it. 
But if you go to the Walt Disney Family Museum, they have one that looks like it was it's it's been in the elements since 1937. And um, and you because they've not painted it. They've done nothing to this. And but you can sit on it and um, and all that. I think so we did neat. when we did. When we, yeah. I think yeah. when we were doing a, a mouse, mouse adventure, adventure. <laughs> we were like, we need to sit down and re- regroup. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's also one there at. So at the so you can still ride the carousel as we've been saying it costs a couple of dollars um, to get on it, but where the um, at, at the back end the the closed end they have a bench there also with a picture of Walt Disney that and I if I remember correctly there's a little maybe a little bit of text that you can read so you can you can take a picture of one of the benches that's located right there in the mm-hmm. carousel and those are the original horses you can't that obviously they're their original horses so to actually be sitting on a horse where one of his daughters you know used to sit and and to ride it to me was a real treat yeah and they're in the process this is in a constant state of restoration um because you know they're they do it with the ticket money and you know that's just sort of slow and they do have an organization that's dedicated to preserving and restoring the carousel but um it's it's definitely in need of help, but they are yeah. working on it, and they um show they show how they're doing it there. They have a display there near the organ and near the bench and the and the image of Walt Disney and all that that you can take a look at and learn more about. So anyway, my favorite place now nearby to go and really connect with Walt is Walt's Barn at forty two zero two Zoo Drive in los angeles and um you know we all know that you know in 1950 walt built his one-eighth scale live stream railroad at his home in holmby hills we're not there yet but we will be he operated what he called the carolwood pacific railroad for family and friends until 1953 now walt needed a center of operations for all this so he built this really cute little red barn and this was a replica of one from the disney family farm in marceline missouri that and that barn still stands the carolwood barn served as his workshop and he spent many hours here building his miniatures and his model trains so in 1999 walt disney's family moved the barn and walt called this barn his happy place they moved it from his home on carolwood to the Los Angeles Live Steamers Railroad Museum because Walt was a founding member of that museum. There's even a little tunnel named um, after him. So the reason I love this is because it's filled with trains of all scales. Many of which were donated to the foundation by by, um, Walt's animators and his friends that shared his hobby and love of trains. Many of Walt's personal items and tools are on display. Walt handmade all of the workbenches. So Walt touched all of that. Yes, Walt made the interior. Walt shaved in the sink and mirror sometimes there. And um, so, I mean, this is as close to Walt as really we can get. I have in a my better opinion. appreciation of, of that yeah. barn then. I, I mean, the- I, I linger in that barn. When I was there, the last time I went through there, I was giving my own tour within there <laughs> to people. And um, 
to anybody who would listen. But uh, this is just this is a really special place. That they also I think, have uh, huh? like a relief of his home there, don't they? A relief of the, his property. They so do. they show where the train. They do. I think that was like one of the latest things they added to okay. it, so that you could see where the Carrollwood um, Railroad went around and his house. Is that? the train that's in the middle of it that's on the raised you know center area no the lily bell is um at the walt disney family museum okay okay it's in that as you take the ramp down to Mm -hmm. okay so but they have they do have a like a yellow train there's one train that walt did have for a while but it wasn't the carolwood and then they have another train that's sort of of the same era i don't remember whose that was But um, but Walt's Barn is generally open every third Sunday of the month from 11 to 3. Um, but although that's subject to change without notice, so you have to check their website um, or their Facebook page. And um, but, and it's free. It's, it's donation only, right? They take donations when you go in. So it's not obligatory to pay when you go in. But if you can help, because they do use that money to, for, to, for the upkeep. Yeah, yeah, because they're always restoring things. They yeah. res- they restored the original combine car from the original Disneyland Santa Fe Railroad, and that's on display there. They uh, the, so they're constant. They have they're in the process of dis- of restoring the last um, mine train through um, from the uh, mine train through Nature's Wonderland attraction. I love that attraction. Me too. I miss that one. Yeah, but. Um, so, you know, so they're constantly doing things. Also, when they're open, you can buy books from um, Disney that, that have been written by Disney animators and Imagineers. They're available there. A lot of times they, they just donate them and all that. And so um, it's so it's great. And a lot of times when you go there, you never know who's going to be there. Bob Gurr might be right. there. Margaret Carey might be there, although she's getting married. Um, so maybe she won't have as much <laughs> she free might, she time. Won't have time. But, but you <laughs> or maybe ne- she'll go with her husband. <laughs> yeah, but you never know who's going to be there yeah. because a lot of people who worked with Walt um, or or were Imagineers and all that, they're part of the board for um, Walt's barn. Like Tony Baxter g- goes there fairly regularly. So so you could visit and you could see all kinds uh, of, you know, really well-known people in the Disney community. In addition to Walt Disney, Michael, they also have a couple of the Imagineers. Their na- the, the ones that the trains are named after you and, and Craig will know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that also had this love of the railroad, right? Mm-hmm. Who are they? I think Ollie Johnston. His um, okay, yeah, isn't yeah. his his station is there. Yeah, he. And, they have mm-hmm. some artifacts. Well, I'll call them artifacts, but memorabilia from him on a wall. You're right. Yeah. So. Um, and somebody else. Anyway, yeah, and oh, I can't remember who else. Start starting anyway, the trains. <laughs> anyway, this is a great. Oh, and then the Los Angeles Live Steamers. They will be there sometime, and 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 you can take rides on their little yeah. trains. But they'll be there restoring and working and tinkering on their trains, uh, their model trains, and and they're happy to answer questions, talk about it. The docents there are all volunteers. They are they are happy to share stories, tell you about the barn, tell you about the artifacts. Um, it's great. Just yeah. a great place to go. One of the things I like about the doses there is the true appreciation and the affection they have for Walt Disney. So mm-hmm. 
when you hear their stories, like you were saying, that they're just so happy to share what they know with everybody. So it's 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 such it's such an enjoyable place. Craig, have you been there to the Waltz Barn? I have been there uh, multiple times, and it really. It, it really is an incredible experience. So uh, it's, you know, I, I think this is more on the uh, Uber side of a Disney fan finding appreciation in the barn. But uh, just because I've been there with a lot of people sometimes who don't care about the train aspect of it and are pretty quickly bored with it. But, you know, at the same time, if you're if you're going on these uh, self-guided tours around all these stops, chances are you are that type of person who will uh, <laughs> definitely yeah. get a kick out of this. But yeah, I, I I love the entire train aspect of the area. The barn itself is great. The like all the memorabilia and props that are inside the barn. I, I swear I, I I could stand there for an hour inspecting mm-hmm. everything in there. It's really just it, it's oh, a great absolutely. place. And I yeah. touch, I touch what I can because I thought, ooh, maybe Walt touched here <laughs> and all that. Like when we were at the Tamashanter table thirty-one, I sat on everywhere on those benches. <laughs> I thought, okay, I've got it covered. I know I sat where Walt sat. <laughs> You're but, caressing the backs of the yeah. the backs of but, them and, and everything. Also, <laughs> they have um, the a couple buildings from the original storybook land um some of the buildings that are in the village of cinderella because those have all been redone uh, because they deteriorated over time and they were hoping to restore these buildings i don't think they got very far i I, there's not a lot there to restore frankly and so they they're under glass basically they're in a showcase right now in Walt's barn. And, and maybe they're still going to restore them, but I, I don't know. They're they're pretty far gone. The grounds themselves are also pretty. And and um, right next door, if you, you know, a lot of families have young boys and girls that love trains and you have the Travel Town Museum. I know we're not going to really talk about it. I'm just putting that out there that there's a train museum where you can go on a bunch of trains right next to Walt's barn. So that that whole area is just interesting. We're going to take a rest stop here for a bit and continue our trek next week by driving over to the Walt Disney Studio. So as we rest and toss out our fast food wrappings and empty soda cups, let's take a look back at this week in Disney history. Okay, well, Mary Jo... Last week, you uh, you beat Craig by a point. <laughs> so so here you are. You're going to challenge him again. So. I I, th- I think it was a fluke. So I was <laughs> I was so happy you threw in the uh, Sleeping Beauty movie. Am I allowed to say that? Sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hopefully, folks okay. have listened to, <laughs> to the previous episode by now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm hoping I'm hoping for another bone thrown my way. Well, we'll see. You never know what happens in the in history. Virtual shake shake of hands to you, sir, Craig. Best of luck. Oh, uh, thank you for your politeness on there. It's unnecessary, but <laughs> yeah, you're going sucker. <laughs> All right. For well, now of course you are listeners. You can play at home. So here here are the rules. If our contestants choose to not hear the multiple choice options, they will receive three points for a correct answer. Uh, 
If they choose to hear the multiple choice options, they will receive two points for a correct answer. If they ask me to remove an incorrect option, they will receive one point for a correct answer. If you correctly answer the question after an opponent answers the question incorrectly, they will receive one point. Now, this time around, some questions may have opportunities to earn bonus points. You can earn one point for each bonus question correctly answered. In the event of a tie, there will be a tiebreaker question. You may find having pencil and paper nearby helpful for the bonus question. So, Mary Jo and Craig, are you both ready? I'm grabbing my paper right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Craig, you all set? I'm ready to go. Okay. All righty. Now, Mary Jo, since you are our guest, you get the option of either receiving the first question or tossing it to Craig. I'm going to receive. All right. Okay, this is February 23rd. Walt Disney released the first official Technicolor Mickey Mouse short on February 23rd, 1935. What is the name of this short? Multiple choice, please. Right. Is it A, Mickey's Fire Brigade? B, The Band Concert? C, Mickey's trailer or D lonesome ghosts. I'm oh my gosh, this is a pure guess. Pure guess because and, and Craig is probably like, oh my gosh, this is I know this off the top of my head, but I'm gonna go with B, uh, Mickey's band concert. Final answer? Dang it. Yes. That's correct. Is it? You got two points. The band concert was released at the Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Also the first official Mickey cartoon in Technicolor. It is directed by Wilfred Jackson, who will go on to direct such Disney classics as Peter Pan, uh, and features the animation of very famous names in Disney history, such as Les Clark, Jack Kinney, Wolfgang Reitherman, and Dick Humor. Uh, Dick Humor will later say the band concert is the most perfect animated short ever made. Of course, in the band concert, Mickey leads his ensemble through a rendition of the William Tell Overture, whilst Donald Duck and a passing tornado interrupt. And of course, the band concert will later be a major theme for the attraction Silly Symphony Swings at Disney California Adventure. Okay, Mary Jo, there's a bonus question with this for one point. Okay. What is noteworthy about this showing of the band concert at the Radio City Music Hall? I would say that the band played live while they were showing the animated featurette. That is an excellent guess. It's not correct. (laughs) Excellent guess. I would have guessed the same thing. (laughs) Oh, okay, Craig, I was going to let you um, steal. I've, I honestly, that was the first thing that popped into my head is that that would kind of go along. Um, I, yeah, I don't I don't know what would kind of stick out. Yeah. It is the first Mickey Mouse cartoon to be shown at the Radio City Music Hall. Oh, hmm. OK. OK. All right. So good going there, uh, Mary Jo. You're off to a good start with two points. OK, Craig, over to you for February 24th. 
Walt Disney's second live-action adventure feature based on a novel by Robert Louis Stevenson is released on February 24th, 1960. What is the name of this film? Uh, Treasure Island was first. And then... Kidnapped. That is correct. Very good. Okay. And you you uh, actually you took away the um <laughs> the bonus question for that one oh. <laughs> because it was what was the first Walt Disney film based on a Robert Louis and Stevenson Robert Louis Stevenson novel. So, I so didn't get did a, a chance. So you did a in one in one shot. <laughs> I think the game what? just ends actually. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get a chance to ask it. <laughs> so, there you go. Okay, 3 to 2. Mary Joe, over to you. February 25th, NBC TV airs a musical special hosted by Suzanne Summers on February 25th, 1988. It is the first film to feature Minnie Mouse, voiced by Lucy Taylor, in a lead role. What is its name? I'm going to have to take multiple choice. Okay. Is it A, Minnie's Bow Tunes, uh, B-O-W dash tunes, B, Four Tales on a Mouse, T-A-L-E-S, Tales. C, Maestro Mini, or D, Totally Mini. This is going to be a... uh, What was the first one again? Minnie's Bow Tunes. I'll kill my... No, I won't kill myself, but... I'm actually going to go with D, totally mini. Okay, that is correct. Okay, very good. Of course, this film centers on a nerd, Maxwell Dweeb, uh, who is Robert Carradine, who is a loner (laughs) with no friends. And whilst watching television, he sees an advertisement for the Minnie Mouse Center for the Totally Unhip, named after its owner, Minnie Mouse. Dweeb, in an effort to improve himself socially, decides to attend. After being welcomed by the director, Suzanne Summers, Dweeb is taken on a tour of the center where other Disney characters run various courses and they turn his life around, giving him a total makeover. Of course, Craig, you know the highlight of this. I is do. A, this, 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 is, this is a film with various musical numbers, including, go ahead and tell us what it is. Don't go breaking my heart with Elton John and Minnie Mouse duetting. Yeah. Yeah, we saw this at the, at the Destination D um, last year. It's let's just say it's memorable. I it's, would it's say awesome. so. Yeah, and then and it also has a DTV number of Janet Jackson's "Nasty" with a montage of male Disney villains. So, what year was this again? <laughs> this was in 1988, and it feels 1988 from start to finish. <laughs> Poor yeah. Robert Carradine. He just could not break out of that nerd <laughs> loop that he got himself in there. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Mary Jo, you're ahead four to three. Yeah. And now it's over to Craig for February 26th. Walt Disney received a special Academy Award given to creative producers at the 1941 Academy Awards on February 26, 1942, what award did Walt receive? 
Oh, um, multiple choice. Okay, is it A, the Cecil B. DeMille Award? B, Academy Special Achievement Award? C, the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award? Or D, Gordon E. Sayer Award? Um... It's. I'm just gonna take a wild guess on it. I'm gonna say the. Uh, I'm gonna say the. I'm gonna say B. The Academy Special Achievement Award. Yeah. Okay. That was actually a category started in 1972. It's, so, okay, that's news to me. And and I don't think they even give it out anymore. <laughs> so I, I think. But anyway, okay. So Mary Jo, you can steal this for a point. It is, uh, it's a did Walt at the 1941 Academy Awards receive the Cecil B. DeMille Award, the Irving G. Thalberg Award, or the Gordon E. Sawyer Award? Okay, you and I spent a lot of time in that, um, the Walt Disney Family Museum lobby looking at various awards, mm-hmm. which gave me absolutely no, uh, no clues to the answer. But I, I'm, I'm going to just go with a with cecil b demille yeah no, walt did receive that award but it was in 1953 mm. it's the answer is c the irving g thalberg award and this is a blockbuster night for d- the disney studio walt himself received special academy award the irving g thalberg memorial award given to creative producers conductor leopold stakowski received a special oscar for his work on walt disney's fantasia Walt Disney, William Garrity, John N.A. Hawkins, and the RCA Manufacturing Company are also awarded a special Oscar for their outstanding contribution to the advancement of the use in sound in motion pictures through the production of Fantasia. The Disney RKO short um, cartoon, Lend a Paw, is presented um, with an Academy Award as well, beating out nine other cartoon shorts, including Disney's truant officer, Donald, and songwriters Frank Churchill and Oliver Oliver Wallace take home Oscar for scoring um, of a musical picture for their work on Dumbo. So, there was a lot (laughs) going on that night. Okay. So, okay, so it's still four to three, Mary Jo, and Mary Jo, it goes over to you. Okay. Okay. A Disney legend passed away on February 27th, 2009 at the age of 98. An illustrator and production designer, this person worked with Walt Disney to design a private apartment in Disneyland's New Orleans Square. In 1964, this person joined what is now known as Walt Disney Imagineering and helped envision an elements of Disneyland and also designed Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, as well as portions of Main Street and the mosaic murals in the archway of Cinderella Castle. Who was this Imagineer and Disney legend? I am going to have to go with with multiple choice. Sorry, Mm -hmm. all you listeners that are shouting out the the answer. (laughs) Okay. Okay, is it A, Harriet Burns, B, Dorothea Redmond, C, Leota Toombs, or D, Mary Blair? I'm going to go with B. B, Dorothea Redman? Yes. Final answer? Yeah. That's correct. Oh. Very good. Yay. Yeah. 
Dorothea Holt Redmond. Miss Redmond broke, and also she has a, a big old career prior to Walt Disney. She broke ground in 1938 as the first woman to invade the, and this is in quotations, heretofore exclusively male field of motion picture production design. And that was at the David O. Selznick studio. She also worked closely with Alfred Hitchcock on such features as Rear Window and The Man Who Knew Too Much. What a talented lady, though, because, I'm, I mean, just New Orleans Squares by itself is a, mm-hmm. a, a tribute to her artistry, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and so, uh, anyway, Mary Jo, good for you. Six to Craig's three. Okay, Craig, here's your chance to come back. Okay. February 28th, this is right up your alley. Wookie Chewbacca and actress Carrie Fisher, who, of course, we all know portrayed Princess Leia in the Star Wars film series, cut an opening ribbon with a lightsaber, along with Michelle Reese, who's the vice president of marketing, at Disneyland on February 28, 1997. What attraction were they opening? Hmm. Um... I I'm gonna have to do multiple choice. Okay, is it A Rocket Rods, B Hyperspace Mountain, C Star Tours, or D Star Tours Weekend? It's going to sound – well, I know Hyperspace Mountain wasn't around yet, so that's easy to roll out. Rocket Rods makes no sense to me, and you said it was at Disneyland? It's at Disneyland. Yeah, so Star Wars Weekend doesn't make any sense, so I'm just going to – even though it makes no sense to me, I'm just going to guess Star Tours. It does make sense because this was Star Tours rededication ceremony. You are correct. Notice I didn't say debuting. I said opening. So Even then, anyway. I still don't <laughs> understand, but I'm accepting yeah. it. I'm okay with it. Okay. <laughs> the event highlighted the attraction's 10th anniversary because Star Tours first opened on January 9th, 1987, to make it even more confusing. And the 20th anniversary of the original Star Wars film we now know as A New Hope, which was at least May 25th, 1977. So where they got this date is absolutely <laughs> beyond me. It's but, a stretch. <laughs> yes. So... But there you go, Craig. Very good. You're almost up to Mary Jo. But Mary Jo, you get the last last call here. So um, February 29th, Disneyland in California and the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World in Florida open at 6 a.m. on February 29th, 2012 in celebration of what event? I'm sure I was there. See, the, this is an easy one. This, if you don't get three points for it, uh. I I was there, and I know they were open for 24 hours. But oh my gosh! But you know what? I I totally blanked out. 
Okay, is it... So, okay, well, for, no, you have to tell me. Do you want multiple choice? Please give me multiple choice, okay. Michael. Okay, is it A, Leap Day? B, part of a worldwide celebration of Hong Kong Disneyland's fifth anniversary and Tokyo Disney Sea and Walt Disney Studios Park's 10th anniversaries, Disneyland Paris's 20th anniversary, and the grand reopening of Disney California Adventure in a few days. Or C, <laughs> the the beginning of the Sweet Duffy 2012 event. Oh my gosh. Or D, the debut of Disney's Easter Wonderland celebration. I'm gonna, I don't remember the date that you said, but I'm going to go with A. Leap Day? Yeah. Final answer? Uh, go ahead. You are correct. I am correct. Okay. It is Leap Day. But <laughs> Technically... She could have. You could have been nice and given it to her because before you gave her multiple choice, she said she knew it was leap day that day, but she didn't say it. She didn't say it as an answer. That's all. Right. I'm like at the edge of my seat, like you said it. You know, you. you just I know. I, know. I was too, but. Um, that's what but, happens when we overthink things. I know, but there really was a sweet Duffy event. Just it was it was a Tokyo Disney Sea. Um, but Leap Day, this was a 24-hour event dubbed One More Disney Day. And this was noteworthy. This could have been a bonus. Well, you know what? I'll make this a bonus question. But, but anyway, to commemorate the event, Disney handed out special Mickey ear hats to the first 2,000 guests who enter the parks. And the event runs until 6 a.m. on March 1st. What is noteworthy about this event? Mary Jo, I'll start with you for one point. What's noteworthy about the event itself rather than the ears? Yes, rather than the ears. What is noteworthy about One More Disney Day? I don't know. Okay. I give up. You're passing it on to Craig? I'm passing it on to Craig. Hey, Craig, do you want to take a stab at this for one point? Uh, what I'm, is noteworthy about One More Disney Day? I mean, I it's Mary Jo said that she was at Disneyland for theirs. I 100% was uh, at at Magic Kingdom for ours, too, because, you know, the, it was my first time being at Magic Kingdom past 3 a.m. Because that was the latest I had ever been there before. And it this was the first time that I have ever known Disney to be open for 24 hours. Can you, okay. When you say Disney, what do you mean? Um, the like magic kingdom was open 24 hours. Disneyland was open 24 hours. That's it. That's right. This is the first time in Disney's history that both parks operate for 24 hours at the same time. So very good. So got a point. Craig six, Mary Jo, once again, eight points. You beat Craig. I thought I had six points. I had eight. Awesome. You had eight. You had an extra question, though. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I think when we used to do this, I would put in a generic question at the end that even it out. But I threw in, I think there were... There was going to be more bonus points, but that's why I threw in this extra one at the end that replaced the one bonus point. So he but, gave me um, a little help, so thank you. Well, but, but Craig <laughs> got the point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I might have to go back to adding it in. Adding in a, I think I added in a general question of some sort for the week so that there were eight. 
when we did this on a regular basis with a guest. So uh, we're, we're going to need a recount on all these. Just <laughs> scratching all trivia from now on. Either way, either way, very good. So yeah, you'll have to come back. So that Thank Craig, you. see if Craig can, uh, you know, uh, improve his odds here, improve his um, ratings. Well, Mary Jo, this we've been. This has been fun taking this drive around uh, Walt Disney World with you, and all okay. that. So, oh, I'm what I'm saying, Walt Disney World. Drive around <laughs> Southern California. Thank you for being our chauffeur. Doing uh, during our tour of important places in the life and legacy of Walt's life, and just a reminder: you can follow along with us with the map Mary Jo designed. That's in our show notes. Now, this is not an ordinary map. This is, you know, Mary Jo's magical map. Um, <laughs> so, so Mary Jo, can you remind our listeners of the features that you included on this map? Sure. Um, it's. Google gives you an opportunity to create your own places and map out um, the sites that are that you want to see and add little icons and pictures. And so I thought it'd be fun to put one together uh, with all the sites that Walt Disney liked. And what I did is I chose icons depending on whether we're looking at a home, a theater, or you know the type of, of venue that we're looking at. And if you click on the icon, some pictures will come up. Some of those I took myself and some I grabbed off the web. So that that would um, give everybody just kind of an idea of what you're looking at or maybe a landmark that Michael and I talked about that you can see what it is you're looking for as you drive around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very helpful. So I think I think that you'll enjoy that. So great. Well, thank you. We'll look forward to having you back next week as we continue our journey. Um, So Mary Jo, uh, until next time, where can our listeners find you on the Diz? On the Diz, you can find me on the Diz boards. I'm one of the Mm -hmm. moderators over there, and I'm often on the podcast board and over in Disneyland and the community board. Those are my main hangouts over there. Or you can find me um, in Twitter. I'm Mary Jo MW or Mary Jo Mulatto Willie, and on Facebook, same. And I hang out on the Facebook boards also, or the Facebook page, Disney uh, Dis Unplugged page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, sometimes Mary Jo even um, videos her adventures and and at Disney and Disneyland puts them up there for you to follow along with her. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, great, Craig. Until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? Uh, as always, you can find me on the random assortment of shows on the Diz Unplugged Podcast Network and always on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. What about you, Michael? You can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Uh, Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can always connect with me and Craig on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studios, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Bye.